Hey everybody, Captain Andy Comics is right about to start, but there's a lot of great podcasts on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network, including this one. I'm Keith Conrad. And I'm Misty Callahan. On Geek Counter Geek, we'll tackle the tough questions that keep you up at night. Like, who is the better captain? Kirk? Picard or Crunch. Plus, you'll get to chart our progress as I try to write the great American novel. And I try to create a comic book. It's Geek Counter Geek on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. The following podcast is a part of RadioMisfits.com. Time for Caffeinated Comics, a lively discussion and debate on comics, film, television, and collectibles, all fueled by the magic of Frappuccinos. Now, here's your hosts, John and Steven. Hey, it's Caffeinated Comics. I'm your host, John Clark. With me, as always, is my co-host, Stephen Brown. And we were just uh, discussing Iceman for like the last ten minutes, and we were like, why are we not recording <laughs> yeah, bad at this. any of this? Uh... But you were just saying how there should be there should be ice slides all over New York City in everybody yeah. else's books because he just well just like makes ice slides everywhere. You know, it's like uh, it's like no one ever finds Spider-Man's webs everywhere. And I understand they dissolve over time, but that guy swings around the city a lot. Yeah, they dissolve know? over like an hour, but then even if they like fell down, fell off a ledge, they're gonna kill somebody. No, the webs would just like fall. Oh, lightly. I thought we were talking about the Ice Man. No, the ice. I mean, uh, they have like falling uh, ice signs they put up in Chicago. Yeah, during no, the I work. Time. I work across the street from the Sears Tower. Yeah, and they they will close intersections right. a couple of days because after of falling search. ice. And yeah. this idiot is <laughs> flying around in an ice sled, making We've been, tons and, of it. And this stuff's huge. You know, yeah. sometimes he's carrying the beast with him. You know, yes. he's got to make room. And the you know these slides have pillars that have to go down to the ground right. and. What I never understood is how. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, he pulls the moisture out of the air and freezes it. Uh, no, I, I get, get that. That, that how, makes sense. How does it propel him? Like, right? Does it? Shouldn't he just make a bridge and then have to run across the bridge? Well, I thought he, in the old comics he used to like slide across it. Like he was like shooting a bridge in front of him and he yes. was kind of ice skating along it. But for that to work, he'd always have to be going downhill. Yeah, always. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> he's got in. Um, the first time I saw Iceman was Spider-Man and his amazing friends. He was going laterally <laughs> every, across. All the time. Well, I do wonder, did he do the ice slides in the comics first, or was it an invention of Spider-Man and his amazing friends uh, for him to get away to around? Old X-Men, like Kirby X-Men, yeah. he would make like a slide like here, and then he'd make a pole and slide down. Yeah, I remember that kind of stuff. Like a cushion. So I think uh, they, weren't, just like ex- they weren't extrapolated yeah. on that. And Iceman, you know, the... Iceman, Beast, and Angel, um, they're hard to follow in the 70s because once Giant Size X-Men started, they didn't know what to do with these characters and they just bounced around. They were in the Champions, they were like uh, Marvel Feature, like Beast was in Amazing Adventures, they were all in the Defenders for a while. So it's very possible, it's like, oh, there might have been an issue of the Defenders where it's like, I've learned how to do these ice slides. It's like, it's the Defenders. Yeah, their uh, history is hard to follow. Yeah, up until X Factor. And yeah. the whole pitch of X Factor um, this is so heartbreaking because it was Bob Layton coming off Iron Man, which was a big hit. You know, he did probably the most iconic run of Iron Man. And they were like, and in 85, they're like, so what do you want to do now? And he's like, oh, I want to, 
I want to bring back the original X-Men. And they were like, fine, but here's a billion crossovers. Yeah. And he lasted seven issues. I think the- he created Apocalypse and left. <laughs> right. I, I, I understand the crossovers to some extent. It's like I, just less of them. It's like I, you have to cross over. It's just like part of the business when you're doing these major characters and such. Right. But I think it's like, um, yeah, and I think good writers can roll with those punches. But it's like they went too, they did too much. Well, X-Men especially. They got in their own way. I mean, the X-Men omnibuses, all they do They're is- They're a mess. Well, the omnibuses are pretty clean for Uncanny, but- they all they're not volume five, volume six. The early ones are like X Men, Uncanny X Men. But if you want nineties X Men, everything's a crossover. It's like, oh, here's the Mutant Massacre Omnibus, here's the which has all of omnibus. the other issues around it. The yeah, here's the Omnibus. Omnibus. They just announced uh, the Twelve Omnibus. Was that any good? No, it was yeah, awful. Like, I have the trade paperbacks. Yeah. It's bad. Yeah, most of I, them are. <laughs> well, I uh, I am now. Two weeks into the X Men Revolution Omnibus, and I'm on maybe the third issue. Oh yeah, uh, it's hard to get through it. Yeah, I wasn't even reading a lot of comics the last couple of weeks. I was reading book books. Yeah, so my comics had slowed down. But yeah, by 2000, it's just like you turn the page and you're like, really, all of these captions, all of these. <laughs> yeah, you know, Chris Claremont's like, oh, and the guy sells fruit, and sometimes the peaches are in season <laughs> of like an establishing shot. It's like, yeah. no, this page is about. Iceman shooting ice in a guy's face. Yeah. I'm like, I don't need to know what religion the guy was who owned the fruit stand that he crashes into. It Claremont never really had an editors. Yeah, he should have. Uh, I, yeah. Yeah. I don't know that there's anything Claremont has. Like, I don't know what point I'm at. I, I'm up to Mutant Massacre, I think, is like where I've read, and I don't know how involved Chris Claremont is and what was going on in the book. Oh, well, at the he's time. there until like Jim Lee. It's, oh, yeah, it's that's those true. guys that kind of pushed him out. Yeah, thank God. Because it's time they, to go, buddy. <laughs> yeah, well, they realized that uh, no X Men number one didn't sell a million copies because Chris Claremont wrote it, right? And the story was that all the image guys, they were in their 20s, and they were jerky image guys, and they were like, hey, we, we decided that we were going to make Psylocke Asian, and this guy was going to have his arms ripped off. And Chris Claremont was like, I built these characters for 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can't screw them up. Yeah. And then editorial was like, ah, Jim Lee's selling. Yeah, but, <laughs> do, what, do what the boy wants. Yeah, and then... Then they made a mess of it. Yeah, but he keeps coming back to X-Men. Yeah. They keep finding reasons for him to come back to X-Men, and you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> um, you still digging, uh, you reading any of this uh, current current X-Men stuff? No, you know, I haven't read, up with it? I have not read it since the monthly started. I definitely plan to, and I think I'm trade waiting. Yeah. Or really, I'm comicsology sale waiting. I'm like, when, oh, they're, 80, so... when they're 84 cents. Yeah. Yeah, that I'll buy. Because that's how I caught up on Grant Morrison, Green Lantern. Oh, yeah. So I was just... Uh, Which is just weird. You, yeah. <laughs> so I'm on like issue seven and I'm like, oh, oh, it's oh. just weird. There's no there's no big overarching story. It's just a maybe weird... Maybe the Black Stars. Ken, uh, my It's buddy, like reading heavy metal. My buddy Ken texted me. He sent me that he had just read the first trade on Comixology or he got it from the library or wherever. Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, how is it? Because I read the first issue. I was very confused because it's Grant Morrison. And he he said the exact same thing. He said, "Uh, it's weird." <laughs> it's like he's, I was like, "Would you recommend it?" Or is he's like, "Nah, it's just it's weird." It's like maybe check it out if you I get around to it. I recommend it if you yeah. like Grant Morrison, Liam. I Sharp. don't know if I do. Liam Sharp's doing a good job. When Grant is on, 
He's a he's great. I mean, you cannot take JLA away from. I him. like JLA. You can't. I like uh, New X Men until uh, New X Men's. Yeah, uh, no. the last story arc. It should ended with the Magneto story where he. Yeah, the last story is like an epilogue. Well, yeah, I didn't need it, and no. I don't understand it. And I don't. No, think and I think it was does. an excuse to bring Mark Silvestri back. Speaking of like bringing X-Men yeah, Legends back, who I'm not a fan of. Uh, Very yeah. easy to ignore that last. Uh, story oh yeah, arc. because it doesn't connect to anything. Right. Uh, I love his Batman run. I didn't. Uh, I didn't read it, and what I did read, I didn't care for. Yeah, I read. I uh, just read his Doom Patrol. That's like weird. Yeah, I've and heard that's really good and, too, and I haven't gotten to it. Um, yeah, Fantastic Four one two three four is really good. He did a year of the Flash. Like he's always good, but it's just sometimes he's like, I got crazy ideas, <laughs> and he just wants to do his crazy ideas. And you're, and I mean, he did. And all- they let him. They let him. They say, here's the keys to the castle, Grant. <laughs> and isn't All Star Superman one of your favorite comics ever it made? Is, See? It is. But I think it's like uh, it. It matters if it's self contained or not. And yeah, I and think Marson's always is, kind of self-contained. He, well, he he writes that way, and then everyone else has to conform around his nonsense. Yeah, we were talking about this a couple weeks ago. If you read X Men or Batman, if you read any of the other titles while he's writing them, they're unreadable. Right? <laughs> just if you read the titles, guys. he's not writing for that yes, character. They're a mess because those characters are so popular. There's going to be a lot of books. But Green Lantern, I don't have to worry about any of the other books. But yeah. He's so far he hasn't done a big story. Everything's kind of been like a one issue off. So, but apparently last he did his Batman thing where he did like twelve issues of Green Lantern, canceled Green Lantern, then restarted it as Black Stars. Which I think, uh, as I've been reading, the subplot is the Dark Stars, those guys in the nineties. Yeah, these are the worst, the worst guys of that. These are the Black See, Stars. I thought the Dark Stars were kind of like. Um... They were like a secondary Green Lantern Corps. These they were, were like and they were nineties and badass. These guys, the Black Stars, are like the evil version of those of guys. Those guys, and there's like a, like a mafia thing where like Hal Jordan's going undercover. So they cancel Green Lantern, and then they change it to Black Stars. And then I saw in the new Diamond, it looks like they're relaunching Green Lantern again. And I'm like, it's that very typical. Grant Morrison gets bored after a year and decides instead of doing a new story arc, he's like, I'm going to create a new series. Yeah. It was like, it was Batman and Robin. It was Batman, Batman Incorporated. Incorporated. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, you read it all. It's one run, but it's right. Like, it's so hard to follow. I, I, maybe I'm getting old, but I miss the days where you, you went, this guy's run is issue 151 to yeah. issue 218. They don't do that anymore. And then somebody else, no, every creative team gets their own book. Yeah, and it's to some extent that works, and to some extent it doesn't. With X Men right now, it's like Hickman got his own book, so they relaunched everything. But it's like X Men. Sometimes it warrants the relaunch. It's like it's frustrating when it's the same guy writing the book, and they get relaunched while the guy's on the book. Oh yeah, that's why I couldn't finish Jane Foster Thor because I started reading the right. It was all Jason Aaron, but I started reading Volume Two before I read Volume One, and I was lost. That happened to I came up last night, and Renee was looking for something to watch. And uh, and she's like, oh, I w- want to watch a musical. Mamma Mia is on HBO Go, so I'm watching that. And then they're, they start talking about like how much they love and miss Meryl Streep. And I'm like, is this the first one? And she's like, no, it's the second one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but she didn't know it was the second one. And comics are like that all the time now. Yeah, well, it, yeah, it, and that's the problem. Is it's like the relaunch just for the number one when it's the same creative team or the same writer – 
uh, it's just kind of frustrating. It's it's one thing when the when the entire line of books is a mess and it's right. like a hard reset like X. And there's no monthly comic you can just read unless it's not popular because either yeah. if it's a popular book. They're gonna. It's gonna cross over into the other books, like a Spider-Man, Batman, There's X-Men, some Avengers. Bleed. Yeah, there'll yeah. be some bleed. And honestly, if it's in the Marvel DC universe and it's not selling well, then it gets caught up in the universe-wide crossover. crossover. So it, so they can boost sales. It, yeah, yeah. Was that the Fall of Kings or something like Kings? War of Kings. War of Kings. Uh, Marvel. BB King's the king yeah, of cartoons. They did a lot of space crossovers. I tried following because Annihilation was actually like excellent. Yeah, Annihilation was amazing because it was going which, on during Civil War, so no one paid no one read to it. it. I ended up reading it digitally years later. Yeah, I got the omnibus, and honestly, that's why we have Guardians of the Galaxy. Right, it owes more to Annihilation and landing. Yeah, uh, spinning out run. of Annihilation yeah. than anything else. Yeah, that was the reboot of Guardians that made Peter Quill a Guardian of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. and the the kind of the characters that. Up, actually appeared in the movie. Put Rocket and Groot Rocket in it. Rocket and yeah. Groot, right. Were, Those were uh, existing characters. Drax. Drax right. had his own miniseries in Annihilation, which that's when they gave him the tattoos and cleaned up his goofy costume. They took he used his to cape dress off. For, yeah. for like a purple head sock and a cape. Per- yeah. And a giant like wrestling belt. He looked like like Space Macho Man or something. Yes. I once tweeted a picture of old Drax when Guardians was out and I was like, this is the picture Drax's mom brings out to his prom date. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is what Drax used to look yeah. like. But yeah, I I would love, like I just want to read, I understand what you mean with omnibuses because I just want I I want I want to pick up that big book and go. I'm reading this, and right. yeah, if there's crossovers in it, they're in this book, which is why I bought that Claremont Revolution. I was like, oh, I've never read this. It's yeah. a big chunk of X Men I've never read. Almost, see, I'm always tempted to buy stuff like that. Like the what's that X Men one that you mentioned earlier? It's like the twelve, the crossover. Yeah, the twelve is coming, and it's like this thing I never read. Alan Davis draws some of it. Yeah, it's the end of the 90s, which is interesting. Yeah, but it's like you just know it's going to be horseshit. Right, and the premise is great, which is why it came out in a time when I was not reading X-Men. And uh, I missed it all, and I was like, wait, what? Because they paid off, they pay off like all of the 90s storylines in the 12. They like give Wolverine his adamantium back. Apocalypse does his final big well final until they bring him back yeah but like his his final plan and the 12 was this storyline that would run in the background of like there were 12 mutants that were really important and at one point they said oh they're immortal and cannonballs one of them and then they just forgot that yeah and it and then they were like oh the 12 is actually mutants that apocalypse needs to run this machine and they were all established mutants and it was also paid off cables whole storyline it paid off apocalypse um wolverine like i said wolverine got his adamantium back um it's the end of all of that stuff but it's bad yeah (laughs) and it's it's so frustrating that it's bad because it's supposed to be the major apocalypse story because apocalypse has never really had a a big story age of apocalypse is like his big story but it's it's not about him right it's it's like the problem a mark wade does this a lot He's the premise. He's not the main character. Right. It's like what happens when the bad guy wins. There's nothing for the bad guy then to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's he's just the king. He's the king. It's like there's nothing for him to do. Um, Yeah, I think that... Yeah, that story's all about how all of the X-Men characters react to that environment. Right. It's... 
Because Apocalypse, like the first story he shows up in in X Factor Five, is really small. Where it's like there's a there's a character called like Frenzy who you never see again, who like beats up X Factor, and then she she's like, oh, I'm working for this guy Apocalypse, and he's in the shadows, and then they show him, and he just fights them. And then Fall of Mutants is probably the biggest story because that's when he turns Angel into Archangel. Mm. Um, but it's not like the classic. You got Walt Simonson art. You know, um, I think it's one of the first times he's working with Louise. They just got married. They're really excited. It's the best X Factor is, Mm -hmm. but it, it's not the best X-Men is. Right. So, and then Executioner Song, he's like a bit player in that. And then, as you said, Age of Apocalypse, he's not the main character. He's like the king, he's not the main character. Even in like the, when they rebooted X-Force, um... The uncanny X Force. Oh, he was a kid. He was a kid. Yeah. So it's like they had a, I had a really hard time with that era. I I didn't mind it. I actually liked it. But again, I read a lot of a, it recently on Comicsology, and I'm like, I, I I can barely make head of tails. It's like right after Bendis, like that. No, I think it was before Bendis was. was it? Yeah, Uncanny X Force came out before Uncanny Avengers. It was Rick Remender wrote it, and um, so there wasn't. Yeah, you or promised was like a kid or something. You promised on the air to lend me that omnibus. Oh, we recorded that, huh? <laughs> yep. Because uh, I started reading X Force and it was Chris Yost, who I don't like. I don't like Chris Yost. Uh, Chris Yost is uh, has a credit on the Mandalorian. This guy just falls into everything. Well, Chris Yost, I think I actually do like. I don't like his comics, but I think Chris Yost wrote a lot of the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes stuff. He he's worked a lot in like animation and stuff. Uh, he got a credit on that. He wrote a lot of the Marvel directed DVDs, which are all pretty. Bland yeah, and, boring. and then not. I hated all of his comics. Right, and then I saw interviews with him, and I didn't like him. Yeah, um, it but happens. he, yeah, he tends to be attached to a Everything. lot of stuff. Yeah, to a lot of Marvel and a lot of Star Wars, and like he's, uh, you know, he's living his best life. You Chris get it, you get attached to enough stuff. It's like uh, you know, some of it's just going to be good just by virtue of the amount of stuff you're involved in. You know what I mean? Also, you know, success has many fathers. So that's if true. you're on a project that's big, people think you're uh, good. You're responsible for it. Yeah. You did all of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I was, uh, I was at an agency that won awards and everybody did pretty well. Right. Uh, except me. I moved to Chicago. but that was not my job neither here nor there so yeah it's very easy to fall into the (laughs) x-men continuity trap Mm. um and honestly the reason we're doing it is because the 90s x-men is still taking away yeah so we're like uh i still have them on display so we just keep talking and all of the 90s series is on disney plus yeah have you uh you've never seen all that show right yeah no i've I've seen seen all it all maybe not the last season when it's like a Uh, korean animation house and i think i've seen maybe a couple of those but i used to watch it every week I feel like I'd just be frustrated that it's not Batman the Animated Series. Yeah, yeah, because I was 20. Yeah, you were old enough to know I, better. Yeah, unlike you, I wasn't eight. Yeah, I was like, this is like drugs. <laughs> yeah, for me, it was like, this isn't as good as Batman, but yeah. somebody made an X-Men show, so I have to watch it. And that's something we talk about a lot, too, is like now there's so much stuff you don't have to watch it. Right. Like there, we were uh, on Disney+, Plus. there are two Spider-Man animated series I haven't finished, and Spider-Man is probably my favorite Marvel character, but like I haven't seen all of Ultimate Spider-Man and right. I haven't seen all of this new Spider-Man. I can binge it and part of me is like, I, I know I'm going to get into it and it's not going to talk to me as much as I love Spider-Man. Yeah. Back when there was Fox Kids. Oh, right. When it was the, that was the only thing. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, um, 
Fox Kids is a fascinating story. There needs to be a book or a documentary about Fox Kids in the 90s mm. because the the amount of perf- perfect perfection perfect perfection perfect i'm trying perfection. to find another word and yeah. then i'm like well my last word was good so i'll repeat yeah, just that. use that again <laughs> that <laughs> was good enough and this is where the caffeine kicks in yep well margaret lesh who ran fox kids made every right move in the 90s i was just watching the toys that made us oh yeah which um if that's we have, on netflix right it's on netflix season three just came out um it's a really good show and in fact uh a couple of my friends that I used to work with at Art Asylum are on the Star Trek one. Yeah. Um, Manny and Nelson, who uh, I've talked to about coming on, and we just never made it work. But um, it's a really good show. But there's an episode about Power Rangers. And a lot of that episode is about Fox. because about how Fox made this was like... Um, Margaret Lesh used to work for Stan Lee uh, in like the late 80s. Like around that time, Stan Lee was in LA just trying to get things off the ground. Everything and not, off the ground, and yeah. nothing ever worked. Yeah. Uh, she was working for him and she actually pitched Power Rangers to Stan Lee who loved the idea. Yeah. And the idea was, hey, let's take all of these Japanese shows and shoot some American footage on them. And just um, recut them. And recut them and Stan Lee was like, Excelsior! Yeah. And they couldn't sell it and then Margaret Lesh became head of Fox after she left Stan Lee. So she greenlit everything that she wanted to when she didn't run a network. That's how the X-Men animated series happened. Yeah. Because Pride of the X-Men got shopped around. I believe she worked on Pride of the X-Men and nobody bought it. So when she was running Fox, she was like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put X-Men on the air. Yeah. Um, huh. And of course, they had already had a relationship with Warner Brothers because of Tiny Toons. So they were buying everything that Warner Brothers brought in the door until Warner Brothers created their own network. And fortunately, Warner Brothers happened to be in their second golden age where everything they were they were creating was fucking Animaniacs and yeah. Batman the Animated it Series. Worked. Even the shows that nobody remembers, like Hysteria and Tasmania and uh, Freakazoid is on WB, but all of those shows were great. Yeah, Every show they made was great. And it was all on Fox Kids at the same time. And I'm way too old for cartoons. And I'm just like... Are you ever too old for cartoons, though? Apparently not. Yeah. Uh, but I was taping everything. I mean, she greenlit the tick. Yeah. You know, uh, and X-Men, be- X-Men spun off into Spider-Man. And the- every show on Fox Kids when you were a kid was great. And it was all due to Margaret Lesh. Yeah, that's kind of wild. Um, I didn't know any of that. Um. I wouldn't. I two, two two things is that first, it's like we kind of got the entire Marvel universe uh, in cartoons when we were kids because yeah. they they got to they had all the major everything. properties. Um, but Spider Man was in the Dark Phoenix saga. Yeah, mo- uh, so it was like I mean Thor, Doctor Strange. There's a- the cameos are in X Men alone. The cameos are. I, I, you'd be, it'd be hard. Spider Man is even beyond that because Spider Man has a two parter with Iron Man and War Machine when they were right. doing that cartoon. Well, they did the. There's Secret a two parter with X Men. Yeah, with like it's like beast fighting hobgoblin. Yeah, it's really weird. It's really and then weird. there's a character that like there's a character Crossover. they well no there's a character they made up and he like mutated half his face and he just became Two Face. He was like and a henchman for the Kingpin. Yeah, he was. He was like a scientist. He was, he was Two Face working for the Kingpin. Yeah, with the voice of David Warner. It was, it was a strange time. Yeah, it was a it was a very very strange time. And then, uh. One of the only shows not on Fox got greenlit at the same time, which is Gargoyles, which I'm watching now on Disney Plus. Yeah, Gargoyles like, is one of those ones that's like 
if anyone's into gargoyles, they really like it. You know, it's like I caught a couple episodes as a kid and be like, oh, this is pretty good. But I never really cared for because it, it was like made up characters. That well, that's how I was, too. And it was for me, it was pitched a little younger. It looked it was Disney's attempt to be Batman. And in fact, um, Greg Weissman, who created it, who went on to do Spectacular Spider-Man, which we still rave yeah, about. We were just talking about that. Today. Yeah, you were salty that it's not on Disney Plus. I am salty about that. The reason it's not on Disney Plus is that Sony made it, which I'm salty about that too. Yeah, and that's also the reason I got canceled after yeah, season two. Um, but Greg and ironically, Greg Weissman, who who created that, and Young Justice, which has new episodes on the DC app, that no one's watching. <laughs> Uh, no. I love that show too, but I couldn't care less about buying an app. For I never one got show. into that show. Yeah, um, I watched every too. episode about it, and it just—it was so serious. I don't mind that. Um, I, don't, I, I just wasn't having any fun watching it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think I like um, the only funny. The only good thing was, did you ever see the Flaming Sea? Mm. There's, uh, there's a bit on Conan. So, oh yeah, I did see this. Yeah, when Conan went to TNT, he Conan shoots on the Warner Brothers lot. Yeah, so. Um, they'll do these remotes with Warner Bros. And they did an episode where he met Bruce Tim, and Bruce Tim designed a superhero for him. Yeah, and based Con- on his instructions. Yeah, and Conan was just throwing out things like he should have a high ally glove <laughs> and he should have a spatula on his chest. And Bruce Tim just drew everything yeah. that Conan said. And then they reanimated the first episode of Young Justice to put Conan in with the Justice League. Yeah, I think he they just uh they like drew over the Superman. Like Aquaman or and Superman. And he's in yeah. there. Yeah, but that's the only thing I liked about Young Justice. Yeah, that's... Uh, but, I disagree. I, I did like the show. I think what it is is like the, there's, a, there's a particular type of storytelling that I like, uh, and it's Kurt Busiek's when he does like a long run of stuff. He has like the A plot, the B plot, the C plot, the D plot, and it's he's always building story arcs within story arcs, and Young uh, Justice and, did a I, lot of that later Honestly, uh, he owes that to Claremont. Yeah, well, it's Claremont, but with like a sense of direction, it seems, because Claremont was just like, I just forgot about these things I was writing for. He he didn't have payoffs to stuff. Right. There's a big buildup to like Nightcrawler's origin, which eventually he didn't do. All right. Let me let me. uh, Have you heard this? I might be getting some of the details wrong, but my understanding was that Nightcrawler's original origin as it was pitched was that Destiny, not Mystique, was going to be Nightcrawler's mother. And whoever Nightcrawler's father is, it wasn't going to be who it was in the comics. It was going to be Mystique, who was shape-shifting as a dude and had a child with Destiny. So Mystique is Nightcrawler's father, and Destiny was supposed to be Nightcrawler's mother. Have you heard this before? No, but it kind of sounds like something Claremont would do. Doesn't it? There's a side of... I don't know if I'm making that up or if that's a real thing. Well, there's a rumor about the Hellfire Club, which I belief oh, is that heard, yeah. the Hellfire Club is based on an S&M club that Claremont used to go to in the early 80s. The reason there is a weirdness about Claremont. There's a weird sexual energy about Claremont yeah. where like he gets really into his female characters and there's always like some kind of aliens always have this orgasmic quality to them. Yeah. Uh, you know, the brood are even more sexual than alien, <laughs> even though he was ripping off alien. But the reason I believe the Hellfire Club S&M thing is that if you look at the Dark Phoenix saga, the characters in the Dark Phoenix saga, Sebastian Shaw, Leland, uh, Franklin Pierce. The robot guy. Yeah, Franklin Pierce, the robot guy. He ends up running the Reavers later. But look at John Byrne's artwork. And for s- those faces, when he draws yeah. them. They're too distinctive. They look like reference. 
they like they're straight on and they're just a little too detailed and they're not quite burn like. They don't quite look like so you're saying faces like the, that Burn would just draw. Chris Claremont gave him photographs. Chris Claremont is perverts. like, hey, hey, I promised the guys in my S and M club oh. they could be in X Men. Here's pictures of them. Yeah, I'll tell you what powers they have. Right. I maybe. I kind of believe it. I think so. I, so that story about Mystique and Destiny. I mean, they always played this lesbian relationship with them. Yeah, and it was the early '80s, and comics were for kids, so they couldn't be overt about it. Right. Well, I think North it, Star was the first kind of character to ever come out. It's actually uh, so. I we talked about this before. I've been reading that Alpha Flight Omnibus, and uh, they don't mention North Star being gay, but it's it like, doesn't happen it, for another ten years. No, no, no. But all the groundwork's there. This wasn't like something they changed later. He's every time he is with like a girl the characters make like a comment about like North star with a girl. And then like, he lives with a guy, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, it's uh, if it's like, if once you know, it's like all the groundwork was there I'm already. Pretty sure there's an interview where they asked burn about it. He went, Oh yeah. Yeah. The whole time. It wasn't like a retro, but in the eighties, uh, in the eighties when a comic was they 50 cents and on a newsstand, yeah. they're not going to say this guy's gay. Right. And no one was paying attention to it, but it's like, if you right. read those comics now, it's kind of like, well, of course this guy's gay. <laughs> yeah. And the same thing with mystique and destiny. Right. That is an interesting story. But by the time they did Nightcrawler, Claremont was long gone. I believe Scott Lobdell did it. Yeah. Um, and then, and then it became this weird thing because then mystique, Mystique also had a child with Sabretooth. Who's so, the great in Creed. Yeah, who was running the Friends of Humanity. That's an interesting story, but then they're like, oh, so like Sabretooth is kind of like Nightcrawler's adopted dad. It's like, all right, we're getting a little too. Right. We're getting into a Roy Thomas era. <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, you're tying too many strings together, you know? Yeah, like anytime we took... Roy Thomas just turned 80, and I was just like, yeah, fine. <laughs> um, no, no. You know, Roy... Roy Thomas to me is the guy that says that Magneto and Scarlet Witch were raised by a cow. So that's uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch were raised by Quicksilver a cow. and Scarlet, and that's fine. They were. What did I say? You said Magneto. Oh yeah, Magne- yeah. yeah, Magneto's their dad, right? But then they gave were them up by to a adoption for a cow. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like if you went to Stan Lee and you were like, "What do you think of this?" He'd be like, "Yeah, all right." Iron Man has a nose. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like he's he doesn't know what he's talking about anymore. <laughs> no. Oh yeah, that's. That's a sad. You know what? Uh, you gotta love Stan because I feel like Stan kept his f- mental faculties pretty well. Um, I mean, when you consider like, I don't mean to get political. When you consider what like Trump and Giuliani are saying on a daily basis, and Joe Biden yeah. to do both sides, where you're just like, oh, these guys don't have it. They anymore. shouldn't be speaking in front of cameras on TV all this time. Stan was like 94, going like, I well, I think he was. My publisher said kids don't like spiders. He he, yeah. I would say it's like he kept his faculties. I don't think he ever had a very good memory because no. I mean, this guy couldn't remember. Um, you know. Three decades ago. Well, that also got him into trouble because he didn't give enough people credit. Right. And people took that personally. And um, whether or not he was being political, I mean, I want to say no uh, because he's Stan. Yeah. But then again, that's his persona and he was running Marvel. And if you're running a company, you usually know how to be political. Well, I just think it's like you just kind of look at how things shaked out. It's like Stanley um, was worth millions and millions of dollars, and he co-created these characters, and Steve Ditko was not, and Jack Kirby was not. Yeah, Steve Ditko is still living in an apartment in Manhattan that no one can find, and Kirby was like, 
Curry made a middle class living. They were all freelancers, but Stan was also the publisher. Right. And he was a publisher's son. You know what I mean? It was uh, like nephew. his nephew or whatever. Yeah, it's like, it, you know, it's like, call what it is. You know, the, yeah. the guy's a bit of a used car salesman. Oh, definitely. You know, and there was also there was also a little bit of tension because he used to get the coffee for Jack Kirby in the 40s. Right. Like when this was he, like the sandwich delivery guy. Yeah. And he's telling him, nah, that cover doesn't look right. Captain right. America should look like this. And Jack Kirby's like, I created Captain uh, America. <laughs> I drove go, Captain America longer than you've been alive, kid. Go get me a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. I, what? You uh, can't get me a sandwich? <laughs> That is, I don't know why that turned into Larry David. Yeah, I don't know. That's not Jack Kirby no. at all. Uh, so far, we've talked about nothing. <laughs> the, oh, yeah, we got pretty far without uh, talking about it. We topic got pretty far just doing holding two X Men. Mm, Although, though Disney Plus is, I mean, the '90s are taking over. Yeah, I'm binge watching uh, Gargoyles, and it it is really good. It's yeah. uh, it is age lower, where I know I'm watching a kids show, but the boys are loving it, and I'm enjoying watching it with them. And I was like you. I saw maybe three or four of them. Yeah. Um. And by the by the way, it's come up to me. Uh, Dad, did they make toys of gargoyles? And they did. Yes, they did. They're on eBay. Yeah. They're not that expensive. You're gonna get a bunch of them. I'm gonna get a, 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 a bin of gargoyles action figures for Christmas. I made this mistake about five or six years ago. He Man. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I remember. He Man came on Netflix <laughs> and then thought it was cool. He yeah. was like five, and I went on Maddie Collector and bought every single He Man. I spent. Over $300 on He-Man's. Yeah. And by January, he didn't care about them. He didn't him. care about them. Uh, I did sell them all. And That's good. apparently, I sold them all to Mr. Waynes, who our friend Mike runs. And Mike told me they sold out in a week. So it worked That's out good. good for everybody. Yeah. I believe I walked out with probably some Mezcos and some yeah. Japanese imports. Uh, so probably it, there were just little, little bits of news. Uh, this week, Tom Lyle, who drew a lot of Web of Spider-Man and Spider-Man during the Clone Saga and um, drew a lot of Robin, drew some of the original Robin limited series, uh, unfortunately passed away this week. And guys that work with him, uh, people like Mark Wade and Chuck Dixon were saying really kind things about him. Um, he's only in his mid-60s. But that's uh, that's one of the pieces of news that we posted they announced two movies this week, um, one of which is surprising because we didn't think it was going to get made, and one of which is surprising because narratively it feels like it shouldn't be made. Yeah. But Well, what's the first one? Well, Joker's made a billion dollars. Joker has now made more money than The Dark Knight. That's crazy. Yeah. So, obviously, there's a sequel, but, I mean, do you want a sequel? No. <laughs> I don't want to see the first one again. I think <laughs> here's the thing is uh this happened with Deadpool to some extent or was my concern when the, the Deadpool movie did really well mm -hmm. and we're kind of living with the consequences of that is that the movie studios make a movie like the Joker and they don't understand why it is successful all they can point to is that it was rated R and it was like super violent so the I, my worry then becomes that they're just like more of that, and they misunderstand why it did well. I think that's what happened in New Mutants. What? Oh yeah, I, I think New Mutants was like, oh, let's make it super violent, yes, rated R, exactly. and then they had something that was unreleasable, right? That Fox made, and Disney doesn't want to put any more money into. Yes, and I think it's like uh, it, it's that kind of idea of like. They, they don't understand the lesson from the thing. You know, I'm not exactly sure what the lesson is, but I don't think the lesson is we need another Joker movie. 
No, and honestly, um, I don't think they'll do it, but I feel like if you make another Joker movie, you're going to have to have Batman in it. Like, set it 20 years later. And then what, Joker's like in his 60s? No, he's about 30 in that movie. I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is 50, but he was playing 30. Yeah. So he could play 50, but like, I don't want to see another movie of just the Joker running around and the world's horrible and he's making it more horrible. Right. That was my biggest problem with Joker is there's no hope in that movie. There's no there's silver no lining. Guy. There's nothing. I mean, I like that we weren't teasing a sequel or a shared universe, but you're right. There's no good guy in Gotham. There was Gordon. Yeah. There was Bullock. Uh, and as, even though there was no Batman, but like, you know, Bruce Wayne's a kid and Thomas Wayne's a jerk and Alfred's oh. ineffectual and there's no Gordon. There was, There's no one in that movie that says things are going to get better. So if you make a second Joker movie, I need somebody that tells me things are going to get better. And to, I'm cool with jump ahead 20 years and it's a, a Gotham City that Joker's been running rampant and never been caught. And it's worse than ever. And now you introduce a Batman into that. That's an interesting story to me. Yeah. I mean, it's confirmed they're doing it, right? It's officially confirmed yeah, this week they're doing it. Walking the uh, Phoenix we'll Monster. See. It made too much money. And honestly, yeah. as much as we like to ignore it, Hollywood is about making money. It's That's not, all it's about. It's not about telling the best story unless the best story gets the most people in, which is why we have the Dark Knight and Avengers Endgame, but we also have Aquaman and, and Venom. Venom. Yeah, because yeah, Venom's another part of the problem is like uh, Venom is a reaction to like Deadpool coming out and doing and really well. It's not good. Well, yeah, but it's it's made enough money to get a sequel. Yeah. Whether or not that sequel is going to be any better is probably doubtful, but I, mean, I, mean, every I would argue that it'll be worse. Every movie's a toss-up till it comes out. I mean, we're getting right. a second into the Spider-Verse. Will it be good? Probably, but there's a chance it won't it might be. Not be. Yeah. yeah, it's like they might have only. It's like the lightning in the bottle. You might have only gotten that one time. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't really want to see a sequel to Joker. I don't think people like uh, need one. And I think it's like the novelty that of this movie won't exist the second time around. Right. Do you know? It's like the novelty of this was that it was so dark and it was so unusual. Well, it also it said everything it needed to say. Right, there's nothing else. It was like, and you know? granted, it's a message that I don't agree with, but it said, but it clearly said that message. Right, it's like you don't need to say that again. And one of the reasons it's been so profitable for Warner Brothers, and it's actually bailed them out of a lot of bombs this year. It's the one thing they can really point to is it didn't cost much. Yeah, it was cheap to make. It was very cheap to make yeah. because there's not a lot of action in it. Yeah, I'll there's say there's a bunch of CG in the background. They did but, a really good job of making the world. I was very impressed with yeah. the, the sets and everything and just the way it felt felt so um foreign. Um But you have like a car you have like a car crash. That's about it. The biggest right biggest action thing that happens in that whole movie. It's a drama more than anything yeah. else. So of course it cost it cost like a sixth of like what Justice League cost. Right. But yeah, how do you do that again and make it interesting? Well, for now people? I've heard that they, and this might be rumors or just whatever the internet's talking about this week, is that it's like now they want to just greenlight every, a give up villain movie to everybody. Oh, and yeah. Again, it's there, like you're missing there's the boat. Room- it's, it's not why that movie was. No, good. there's rumors that there was like a meeting with DC to go like, 
Who else can we make? Can we make a Lex Luthor movie? Right. They've had that Black Adam Rock movie floating around. I well, wouldn't I thought be that was sp- just going to be the sequel to Shazam was going to be Black Adam. That was, but who knows at this point? I, yeah. And honestly, I haven't read anything about this. This is just coming out of my own head. And- but if Joker made a lot more money than Shazam, it's possible they can go, oh, Black Adam's a villain. Why don't we just pump that up? And it doesn't have to be a Shazam sequel. It could just be a DC villain. It's just weird that it's to that. And, and that just kind of speaks to the problem is like the problem with this Joker movie. Like you said, there's no uh, counter argument to what the Joker's saying through the entire movie. Right. He kills everybody. Everything uh, t- turns into chaos and then he gets uh, like away at the end um, just by murdering more people. If you make a black Adam movie, is it just going to be the rock walking around, snapping people's necks being like, I'm the toughest dude on the planet. It's like, don't you kind of need a hero to fight the villain? It's right, like, and, I don't just want to watch a bunch of bad guys taking over. It's and like, yeah. And that worries me. Like, and I, I love villains and I love dark movies. Yeah. Um, you know, like Richard the third is one of my favorite Shakespearean plays and it's all just him being evil. Fight club's a great movie and that's a total antihero. Right. Uh, but but when it's that relentlessly bleak, I think one of my problems with that movie, and it's a, I think it's a good movie because I keep thinking about it, is that you can't side with the Joker at all. And society's bad, but like Fight Club's a perfect example where like, uh, you know, spoilers for Fight Club because it's uh, yeah. 20 years old. Uh, it's a great movie, but you know, there is no Brad Pitt in that movie. Yeah. It's just Ed Norton is nuts. But they set up society in a way that it kind of deserves somebody giving it a black eye, and he goes too far. Right. Uh, but well, the, with Joker, at least I feel like you have sympathy for the Joker. Because you feel sorry for you him. You feel sorry for him because bad stuff keeps happening to him. He's got this terrible life. That doesn't excuse his horrific behavior, but it's like right. And you do kind of feel for the guy until he starts murdering people. And the world, the world is sort of passively against him. Right. I mean, there's a lot of a lot of problems with that movie. Is his passive? He's passive. Like even the final, the f- in the final act, like after, all right, spoilers for Joker. After he like, uh, after he commits murders, like the the big climax is like other people take him out and he's unconscious. Yeah, and he just stands there and dances in front of them, and that's it. It's like he doesn't really take action, but also society isn't really taking action against him. It's like a lot of unfortunate absence he has an absence of support mm. more than he has antagonists and he t- he turns he turns that absence of support into antagonists right when there is an antagonist like the three yuppies that beat him up on the train um but really what it is is people saying hey the system isn't going to help you and then he kills the person that tells him the system isn't going to help him right in fight club it's more of like this is the world we live in that's actively pushing against us and the only thing we can we're this is how we react to our frustration uh fight club loses most of its relevance i think after 9-11 which is two years later yeah because it's very much a product of the clinton um the clinton era where you know america's prosperous and peaceful and we're we're all getting what we want but we have nowhere to put our aggression because everything's fine two years later we we get attacked yeah. and then everything's tension. And you know what? We don't have time for a guy who's beating himself up in a parking lot. Yeah. But Fight Club still had an anti hero going against an antagonist. Joker is just, 
it's kind of this sad movie where no one's really to blame, so there's no one to attack and there's nobody to root for yeah. when the Joker becomes somebody to blame. Well, and I'll say it's like um you you I'm not saying you can't make good movies about just the villains. It it can be done. Like Black Adam as a for instance, there that there is an interesting character there. Uh there's been a lot of comics written about what this guy, how this guy is, like, comes from a different part of the world. He has a different worldview. He's, yes, right. a villain, but he has his own country. It's like there's a little Dr. Doom in there. Yeah, he's, he's got, he's got a whole world building. And right. most of what I know about Black Adam is 52, which, uh, right, they, they with did Jeff an, Johns and an awesome is great. job. Yeah. So I, I think there is a story there. My concern is that, like, the people in charge of, like, running this shit don't, uh, they don't get it. You know what I mean? It's like Joker was a fluke. Joker wasn't like a planned thing by studio executives. Joker was the specific vision of like this creator who wrote this story and wanted to make this movie and was, you know, right. an homage to Taxi and, and all always, the other stuff. And I feel like there's always been a villain movie in development. I know that um, Noah Hawley was was making a Doctor Doom movie, which got canceled. That's never going to happen. No, well, it got canceled because of the Fox Disney merger. Right. Um, and I'm sure Kevin Feige has major plans for Doctor yeah, Doom. Yeah, the biggest Marvel Universe villain after yeah. <laughs> they made nobody like Thanos awesome. Yeah. I mean, first plans for Doom. First Class was originally... Going to be a Magneto movie. It was X-Men Origins Magneto, but then yeah. X-Men Origins Wolverine tanked. So they redirected that and put more characters in it. There's always this talk about it, but um, but actually that makes a natural segue, which we haven't had much of today. Uh, but Noah Hawley was working on Doctor Doom, and by the way, Noah Hawley created both Fargo and Legion. Um, they are both on Hulu. If you've never seen them, go fucking see those shows. Uh, I I still have to watch the final season of Legion, which I, I I've never watched Legion, but everyone really saying how good it was. It's on Hulu. It's totally surreal. It's very like Wes Anderson and Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Um. Fortunately, Noah Hawley saw the merger coming and and designed season three to be the final season. It's not like, oh, I finished the season and then they canceled it right. the way Spectacular Spider-Man got canceled. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I'm always going to be salty about that show. So, But Noah Hawley is now making a new season of Fargo, and Fargo's been great. Fargo's had, like these amazing casts, which, like, with, you know, like Ewan McGregor and Ted Danson and... Uh, uh, the Bokeem, I forget how to pronounce his last name. The guy played Shocker in Homecoming. There's like really, really. The, the Shocker, the Shocker. Was he the first Shocker or was he the second He was shocker? the second Shocker. He was the guy who goes, damn. Damn. <laughs> um, Bokeem Woodbine, I want to say. He's re- always really, really good. Um, Fargo's been amazing. And he's like, a, he's definitely a singular talent. So I was interested to see what his Doctor Doom would be. And now it turns out they just announced, and this is the surprise. Uh, other film, but he's going to be doing Star Trek Four. Oh, with yeah, with Chris Pine and Zachary Quinto. It's actually happening, and this is this has been a limbo so long that we all kind of wrote it off. Yeah, I um, Star Trek's one of those things. I I really like that first Star Trek movie with the two of those guys. Yeah, I really like the third one that didn't do well. Right, I only saw the third one once, and I really liked it. The second one I saw once, I think, and I liked it, and then never second had any interest I, in going the back. The second one I hated so much, I was glad J.J. Abrams wasn't doing the second Star Wars. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, he shot his load on that first movie, and he had nowhere to go. Uh, although Rise of Skywalker does look promising. Did he, did he do the third one? Did he no, do- he didn't. He left oh. to do Force Awakens. So, and then the Fargo guy's going to do the fourth one. Fargo guy's going to do the fourth one, and it... Star Trek is in this interesting position right now because it's kind of coming back. 
but it's not re- it's coming back but it's f- fragmented well, in the same back, way but that, it's everything yeah in the same way that that joker movie's huge and the matt reeves batman movie keeps keeps gaining steam we heard that john turturro is playing carmine falcone that colin farrell is playing the penguin oh like, colin farrell's gonna be the penguin yeah i think jonah hill dropped out and now colin farrell's gonna be is he gonna get fat maybe not but i could see him being like penguin in the arkham games where he's like you know tough cockney guy running the iceberg lounge and punching yeah. people uh yeah that batman movie's gonna be big it's gonna is it gonna be good I have a good feeling about Wait, it. Wait, who are the bad guys in that movie? It's like Riddler. Everybody's in it. Riddler. Penguin. Paul Dano is playing the Riddler. Um, I think Zoe Saldana. No, not Zoe Saldana. I'm sorry. Um, Catwoman is being played by... Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> no, no, no. She was in Mad Max and she's the daughter of Lisa Bonet and Lenny Kravitz. Zoe Kravitz. Oh, okay. Zoe Kravitz is playing Catwoman. Uh, Colin Farrell is playing Penguin. John Turturro is playing Carmine Falcone. Jeffrey Wright is playing Commissioner Gordon. Um, and Robert Pattinson is playing Batman. We've got – this feels like when they announce Batman Begins where uh, they're not quite as big names, but I remember – It's all like promising talent. Yeah. When Batman Begins came out, they, it was the same kind of announcements where like you heard Gary Oldman's going to be Commissioner Gordon and Michael Caine's going to be Alfred and Rutger Hauer's going to be running Wayne Enterprises. Uh, and you were like, whoa, those are all interesting guys. Morgan and Christian, Freeman. And Morgan Liam Freeman's going to be Lucius Fox and Christian Bale's going to be Batman and Liam Neeson's going to be in it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and what? Oh, Ken Watanabe is Yeah, Ken Watanabe is going to be Rachel Ghoul and Killian Murphy Oh, this is going to be a scarecrow. It did sound a little crazy at the time. Now that you mention it, although Kelly Murphy actually auditioned for Batman, and they were yeah. like, and uh, they gave Tom him Tom Hiddleston auditioned for Thor, and they gave him Loki. Yeah, I can't. I can't see how Tom Hiddleston in any yeah, universe would be Thor, right? But I, I had that same feeling with Batman Begins. Although I remember with Batman Begins, I didn't like the Batsuit, and I didn't like the Batmobile, and I still don't. Yeah, I, I didn't like either of those things. Um, I remember my first reaction when I saw the Batsuit was like, it just looks like Michael Keaton again. Mm-hmm. And then the Batmobile, I've always thought is ugly. Yeah, that Batmobile I've I've never liked because I don't like... The, the the Batmobile shouldn't look like a fucking tank. Uh, the Batsuit... I mean, it gets used like a tank for story purposes. The only... Honestly, the best... It's like the Dark Knight Returns Batmobile. The Dark... I think that was yeah. the idea. Well, when he that, has the mutant fight. I guess that Batmobile is stupid too. Yeah. Um... <laughs> The, honestly, the best Batman suit in like the last fifteen years was the uh, Ben Affleck bat suit. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's like that's like uh, it actually like, had gray in it. Say what you will about Zack Snyder, and I say a lot. Yeah. Uh, he did. There's like a look that he had that worked. That yeah. Batman worked. You know, well, I was always interested in the Ben Affleck Batman movie when he was going to write, direct, and star in it. I was like, okay, that's interesting. I've had we've had nine Batman movies. Yeah, give me an auteur Batman. Mm. Although with this Matt Reeves Batman, it's it's feeling very promising, but it's still going to have no connection to Joker. Thank Notice God. Joker's not in it. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was deliberate to stay right. away well, from Joaquin Phoenix. And, and also... That's part of the problem is that they get into this game where they, they're making multiple versions of the characters. It's like, here's a... You know, they there are all the articles about it. Is Joaquin Phoenix going to fight um the uh, uh, Cedric Madison, Diggory? Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> no, he's not. But now we have to like stop and explain Who knows, Who knows with the second Joker? Maybe he might. it's such a mess. Well, and Star Trek's been that way, which why I thought this movie was not happening because we have... There was that. There was the pitch about Chris Hemsworth being in it, and they were going to travel back in time and save Kirk's yeah, dad because he that. had a cameo 
in the first Star Trek before he was anybody. Right. Now he's a big deal. Uh, that's not, it's not going to be that. No, Holly's not doing that. Quentin Tarantino has been running around talking about making a Star Trek movie. Quentin Tarantino's, love Quentin Tarantino. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is maybe the best movie he's made in 20 years. But Quentin Tarantino always sounds like he's coked up. Quentin Tarantino is like the Hollywood version of like Rudy Giuliani. He's the same guy. It's like this crazy coked out fucking lunatic person just spouting off crazy shit all day. Except Quentin Tarantino is still the mayor of New York. He's yeah. Not, he's not Rudy now. <laughs> right. And eventually he will be. But he keeps talking about making a Star Trek movie. But really Star Trek's had a resurgence on the CBS app where Star Trek Discovery has done well and season two of Star Trek Discovery is all about the Enterprise. So we had a new Spock in season two of Star Trek Discovery. Oh. And we had a new Pike in season two of Star Trek Discovery. That's crazy. And yeah, in season two of Discovery, they meet the Enterprise before Kirk takes over. Hmm. So basically, the Bruce Greenwood, if you're looking at the J.J. Abrams movies, that Enterprise. So I was like, all right, now we're doing this timeline. The Chris Pine movies are done. And all of a sudden, we announced, nope, doing a fourth one with Chris Pine as Kirk and Zachary Kinto as Spock. And we have a different, so we have a different Spock on the TV shows. And then Picard. Picard throws a wrench into everything because Picard is probably going to be amazing. I think I feel like everybody feels really good about yeah. that. The trailer looks great, and Picard felt to me it's like, all right, we're going back to next generation now. Yeah, which is we're a- in like a renaissance for Star Trek, where it's like these movies are continuing. I mean, how many start of the original? Star Trek from the show. How many of those movies they made? They made four? There were six. They made six? There were six, and then they made four of the Next Generation movies, although yeah. the first one is a crossover movie because that first one is Kirk and Picard together. Right. Uh, and they made four Next Generation movies, and they made three Chris Pine movies so far, and now this is the fourth. Yeah. So that is... Uh, this will be Star Trek Thirteen. Yeah, that's crazy. And uh, Picard will be the seventh series of Star Trek. The show. Of the shows. Yeah. Not wow. seasons. It's the seventh series. Yeah, I believe counting the... Yeah. They're probably in 20 seasons then. Yeah. Uh, oh my God. It's the eighth if you count the animated series. Yeah. Because in the 70s, they did a Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, I remember seeing that. Which had all the original voices and some people... It's like Clone Wars. Some people count it, some people don't. Yeah. So, but whatever we get, this new movie's not going to connect to anything else. We're also in this weird place where where CBS owns the TV show and and Paramount owns the movies. They're separate studios now. Yeah, that's so uh, weird. because they because at one point Paramount sold off their television library, and that wasn't the case ever. I mean, at the point you know, uh, we always talk about the peak being ninety four of Star Trek, where the crossover Kirk Picard movie was out. Next Generation just ended. Deep Space Nine is on. Voyager is right about to premiere. It was still all Paramount. Yeah. And it was still all the same producers. It was Rick Berman running all of it. And now it's like, well, this studio is doing some stuff. This studio is doing other stuff. And it's even more fragmented than DC. That's bananas. Yeah. But again, if hopefully what's good, we keep. Yeah, and, well, people seem to follow what they want that makes what makes sense to them, you know? Yeah, and what's bad, we just forget. The greatest thing in the world. This week. Now, I thought about uh, that this podcast could easily become The Mandalorian every week <laughs> because... <laughs> Spoiler alert, that's going to be my favorite thing. <laughs> oh, it's mine too. Let's just do one. Oh my God. <laughs> Episode three was amazing. I have not... 
like Star Wars, any Star Wars thing, yeah. this much it, since The Empire Strikes Back. I think I... This, when it was out. I think I, this might be my favorite Star Wars thing of all time. It That last episode just felt like playing with action figures. The whole series just felt like no that whole, for me. Yeah. It's just like, well, the first it's episode... So crazy. Uh, we'll, we'll be mild spoilers. Yeah. I know that a lot of people don't have Disney+. Plus. But the first episode had, like, Boba Fett and IG-88 shooting a bunch of people. I'm like, yeah, that's what I would have done with my Kenner toys. Yeah. And then the second one had, like, the Mandalorian fighting an entire sandcrawler full of Jawas. And I was like, yeah, I would have done that. Right. I would have done that with a sandcrawler vehicle and a Boba Fett and Jawas. And then this one was like, uh, like I said, we'll stay away from spoilers, but this one was like, 17 Mandalorians flying around shooting. <laughs> it's crazy. And it's, and, I, and it's they, I, I don't really have any, uh, um, I loved Endgame. I, uh, the goosebumps from that final fight scene yep. were incredible. I didn't know I could feel such, uh, narrative, uh, storytelling. But even that final fight at the end of Endgame doesn't feel as much like playing with action figures yeah. as a kid as watching the Mandalorian walk around shooting guys and fighting. And I don't I, think I've ever seen... I don't seen, know what it is. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen anything, anything that made me feel like I was playing with action figures. Yes. Like, none of the Marvel cartoons. Right. Like, it's, Super Friends, it just feels like... Uh, John Favreau, I did not realize, uh, was so involved in this. Um... Hasn't directed an episode yet. Maybe he'll do the last one, but has written all three of them by himself. Yeah. So he's written this whole story, and it feels John Favreau's around my age, so he's a Gen Xer. Mm-hmm. So it really feels like he's playing with these toys. Yeah. Well, somebody was telling me, and I might have the details wrong. John Favreau played a Mandalorian on one of the animated shows. I think, like he voiced one yes. of the characters. He also played um, the monkey alien in Solo. Rio yeah, Durant, the, guy, the one with fan. four arms. So, yeah. Well, he there's was... been a lot of crossover. I mean, these guys like Kevin Feige, and there's been a lot of the Marvel guys. And honestly, guys of my generation yeah. who were like, yeah, Marvel and Star Wars are kind of the same thing. And remember, back then, Marvel had the Star Wars license. Right. And the only new Star Wars you could get between the movies was the Marvel comic. So, so boys who were reading Marvel comics were reading Star Wars months. Yeah, and Star Wars because Star Wars was still the biggest thing out there. So most of these guys that have done Marvel movies, they're they're not going to say no to Star Wars, right? Yeah, it's a uh, uh, it's a little cheesy. It's not like a perfect show. I get that. It's like I haven't had any problems with, with anything that's happened. But that's the thing is like I've. It's just like I, I don't know how else to describe it other than it's just like it's just the sheer joy of just watching this show. Uh, I've never really experience anything like it and i keep checking myself to be like is it really this good are you it's like it's like i'm almost like i like want a reason for 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 to not enjoy it you know and it's like and i don't know what that is but yeah, it's like, I, I can't help myself i feel like a little kid watching this show and it, it's made me reevaluate the disney star wars movies which i've uh which i've always been fine with but i rewatched solo the other day and i'm like uh solo's fine uh, I never had a problem with it. I know a lot of people did. I think I realized my major problem with it is, first of all, um, Alden Aaron back. He's boring. Everybody on everybody in that movie is more interesting than Han Solo. Yeah. That is a problem. That is a problem. <laughs> yeah. When when because Han Solo is the most interesting thing in the first three Star Wars movies. Yeah. So how could his movie be the least interesting thing? And everyone in that cast, even the brand, even the brand new characters, they're like Woody Harrelson and uh, 
Phoebe Waller-Bridge, who created uh, Fleabag, which is amazing and deserved all the Emmys at one. Uh, you know, you have the girl from Game of Thrones. You have the woman from Westworld. Everybody is killing it. Donald Glover steals that movie. Yeah. And this, the guy in the middle of it's not that interesting. The other problem I noticed with it, and I just noticed it this time, is that the movie's climax is 40 minutes before it ends. Oh. I didn't real I because they do the Kessel Run. That feels like the end of the movie. And then they land on that planet to like give the the MacGuffin to Vision and then they have that fight. And I hit the time and I'm like, there's 40 minutes left in this movie? Yeah. And there should be 10. Hmm. That movie should be like an hour 50 and then you're out of there. And that sucks a lot of the air out. Well, I guess that's part of the problem is that like Star Wars, um, the Rogue One, I saw maybe twice. I saw it in theaters and I saw it on DVD at the store. And then I saw uh, The Last Jedi one time in theaters, never saw it again. And then I saw Han Solo one time in theaters, never saw it again. Because I I didn't care to go back to rewatch it. And mind you, I've watched like uh, Endgame like 40 times. Of course you have. Do you know what I mean? I've watched those Marvel movies. Like I've probably seen Thor Dark World more than I've seen uh, the the reboot with Rey, the first movie. Yeah, I've probably seen... I tend to buy them all on iTunes the weekend they come out, especially pre-Disney Plus, where you didn't know if you'd be streaming anywhere. Right. And part of it is like, well, I bought it. I should watch it again. Like, when you step- You're watching it at, like, obligation almost. Yeah, just kind of to get my money's worth. But I think I've seen this new Star Wars as much as I've seen the recent Marvels. And I like the Marvels more, but honestly, Marvel comes out so fast. Right. That I've probably seen Captain Marvel twice. Sure. I've seen Ant-Man of the Wasp maybe twice. Yeah. Um, and I've seen Solo like three times. I've seen Last Jedi twice. I just, I, it's uh, something about it is like, I don't care about all the other new Star Wars, but Mandalorian's like my favorite thing since it premiered. Mandalorian's been the most fun. It's so fun. It's and I've so... heard people. And it's like, it's a straight it. up Western. It's just. Yeah. It, I'm actually trying to it's get. It's Lone Wolf and Cub. Yes. It's, it's, uh. Fistful of dollars. It's a good bad thing. Uh, I mean, uh, he's Clint Eastwood in this. He well, yeah. That's what I was gonna say. Is like uh, we're going home for Thanksgiving on Thursday. You know, Thanksgiving like one does. And I'm gonna bring Not my. Me. I'm gonna bring Fuck my. Thanksgiving. You hate Thanksgiving. You're crazy. Oh, I hate it. I'm I've, gonna, taught, I've taught my children to hate Thanksgiving. I know. It's like you little. You raise little rebels. Uh, I'm bringing. Oh, my watching lap- rebels, which is pretty good too. I'm bringing my laptop home. I'm gonna show my dad just the opening for the Mandalorian, where he goes into the bar. Yeah. And just that I'm shot like, of the because I, I my dad doesn't care about like sci-fi. He barely knows what's going on in the Marvel movies, but he watches them. I don't think he likes Star Wars because my dad doesn't care about Star Wars, but I think he'd like this show because it's a Western. My dad likes Westerns, mm. so I'm going to try, and I'll let That's you know. A good if idea. He... I, I think I'm going to ask my dad to watch. I'm Just not gonna... watch the opening. I'm not going to see him. Oh, wait. I don't know that they have Disney+. Plus. Um, oh, is it available? I, somebody told me it's available on the app. If you have the Amazon Fire Stick, you have Disney Plus. But you still have to subscribe to Disney+. Um... Plus. Yeah, it's just that you can load it. Uh, I... I I heard that if you have Xfinity, you can't get Disney Plus. You and, can't. And yeah, I have it through my. I have Xfinity, but I use my Apple TV for all my apps, and mm-hmm. I have it on that. And Elliot Serrano has been saying that there's a lot of people that can't get it, and they can't get it for certain reasons, which makes me think that he can't get it, and I should invite him over to watch it. Yeah. Uh, but there are. It's not supported on every platform, but the Fire Stick does support it. Hmm. Yeah, but I can't like. 
The other thing I love about this is that we're getting one a week and it's so refreshing. Yeah, it's actually kind of nice. We, we, clearly, it shows that we as a people can't be trusted to binge things. <laughs> we, we're not mature enough to be given all of the things. We have to have it sparsed out so that we could truly appreciate it. Because that's a, I would have watched the entire series by now. But um, I'm very thankful that it's like something to look forward to. Yeah. You take your time with it. You can rewatch the episode. I would have watched the whole series now but i wouldn't have watched any of them again i've watched each episode about three times oh see i've only watched every episode once in the opening twice there and i'm i'm, I'm like oh, i'm gonna they're worth watching again there's... i am I'm, gonna, I'm like i'm looking forward to rewatching it well every week there's been a, a point where i've run into people we started um we started a mandalorian club at work because i'm the only one that has disney plus and originally we were calling it i was calling it meeting 66 but now I think I'm going to call it the Mandaluntian. The Mandaluntian. Yeah, because we basically we talk ba- about the Mandalorian. Basically, lunch. take a conference room, bring our luncheon, and I show the Mandalorian to the guys that care that don't have Disney Plus. That's great. But I end up watching it again with them. And uh, last night, actually, this really surprised me. Well, um, my wife was uh, out of town for work all week, so Ben and I watched it. And then this last night, uh, Renee goes, "Oh yeah, I watched it." And I'm like, "When?" She's like, "Oh, this afternoon when you went out, I yeah. watched it." And I was like. There was no prodded on her own. She doesn't watch much unprodded. Like I literally said, Hey, you missed always sunny last week. Do you want to watch it? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. That was not on her mind, but the Mandalorian, she's like, yeah, I have to watch. Yeah. It's kind of wild. It's such pure star Wars. Yeah. Well, uh, are you loving the Mandalorian or is it all about rise of Skywalker? Which yeah, it does look promising. Uh, see, you don't care about rise of Skywalker. I don't care. (laughs) Well, let us know what you're into. There are ways to get in touch with us. Uh, you can follow me at not on my book on Instagram and Twitter. That is the official social networking for caffeinated comics. You can uh, go to our Facebook page and like the news that we're doing each week. That's where we post um, pretty much these announcements that Star Trek is happening, that Joker is happening, that Tom Lyle unfortunately passed away. Um, And that's also a great place. Leave a comment, post something. Uh, I end up talking to a lot of people I don't know that way. That's good. And Stephen? Um, I I can be spoken at um, on Instagram at the Brave Butter Pecan. And the store, um, not the store, the show you're listening to can be found on Spotify and Stitcher and whatever um, the Apple the Podcast, Apple Podcast app. Network app is. Yes, and we will talk to you next week.